how we do it, homeboy. And we we'll, it's A Town on five
Good evening. Welcome. This is Evangelist Yolanda McTeer. You are tuning in to my radio segment titled Empowerment for All. Today I'm going to be talking with the author of the book titled The BMS, The Black Mafia Family of St. Louis. Um, Danny should be joining us a little later. I want to bring Jerry on so he can share with everyone his passion, even going forward to write the book, getting a message out to the youth, and sitting down and listening and finding out in detail Danny being a member of such a notorious American organization of one of a kind of all time. I don't want to keep him holding. He has been kind enough to share with us today on the air. So without further ado, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Jerry Heyman, the author of The Black Mafia, The St. Louis Story Untold. Jerry, how you doing? Hi. Thank you. Thank, how you doing? Doing good. You are now live uh, with the audience. Also, I have a lot of listeners in London. Everybody is chiming in um, as we speak. Once again, as you heard me uh, introduce you coming into writing the book, first and foremost, what year um, did you come to connect with Danny and begin to write the book? Um, actually, I uh, connected with Danny in around 2011 and uh, mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, because I was actually writing a book called Justice or Just Us, and it was basically about the uh, disparities between prison sentences from African-American males, you know, versus, you know, our counterpart. And I was doing interviews in a lot of cities, and when I ran into Danny, his story was just like a – I mean, just really fascinating that I had so many notes that I had took. And so I took the book in a different direction, and that's when I, you know, centered it around, you know, the lifestyle of Danny Dogman Jones as being a Black Mafia family member in St. Louis and uh, called it the Black Mafia family St. Louis, the untold story. But in the book, I wanted to still get the message through to the young black male, you know, about the laws that's put in place to uh, basically make, you know, to, to make to make us permanent slaves with the prison system. Okay. Um, now, when you say permanent slaves to the prison system, would you say after the fall of BNF or any time that an organization as in past that we all familiar with, the John Gotti's and things like that, being very hierarchy, such as the Black Mafia family, but unfortunately they were not black, they were Caucasian. So are you relating that to the statement you made? Uh, yes, I'm familiar with that. You know, I, I make my statement based on the statistics of, you know, the population in America of African-Americans versus the prison population with young black males. And, you know, a lot of young black males that sitting in prison, you know, such as Terry and his brother Big Meech, you know, doing 30 years uh, on, on a crime that – um I mean, in my opinion, as I wrote the book, you know, these guys didn't get caught, actually caught with drugs. So they were doing 30 years on, on basically, you know, the conspiracy law. And and so that's mm-hmm. what I wrote the book centered around, you know, not only just the story about the Black Mafia family in St. Louis, 
but the laws that, that do have a, a big impact on taking a lot of our brothers off the streets. So true, so true. So firsthand, when you sat down uh, with Danny, uh, anonymously known as Dog Man, and he began to share with you the life uh, that he had during the prime time reign of BMS being active and highly recognized, um, what would you say to us was the most shocking thing that he shared with you? One of the most shocking thing was getting shot 17 times close range with a 40 caliber and still and still living to tell his story. Um, that was, a, you know, very shocking. And, um, you know, I don't want to get off into too much of the story because I'd rather for people to go read the book because it, it will tell the, the whole story, you know, how he got started as a BMF member, how he was recruited. Um, you know, it do talk about in the book, it, it talks about the two different factions of the BMF and, and how they were different, even though they ran basically simultaneously identical. So the book has a lot of, uh, you know, things about, like, how it how BMF actually infiltrated St. Louis and, and how it grew in St. Louis. And, and that faction of BMF actually were um, arrested in a house in St. Louis that, that was in Danny's name. Um, so, you know, and that was when you know, Terry and, and his faction of the BMF went down. And so the book talks a lot about, you know, it gives more of the side of, you know, Terry versus Big Meech's story. And and it talks about how, um, you know, Danny connected with Terry and, and the bond that they had. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So for everybody who may just uh, be chiming in for the first time, hadn't seen my tweets and not familiar with the book that you wrote, share with us once again the title of the book in its entirety and where can they uh, purchase it because I know that their their interest is going to be piqued, their curiosity is aroused, and they definitely want to hear and read in detail. Well, the, well, the, the, the title of the book is Black Mafia Family St. Louis, The Untold Story. It could be purchased at Amazon.com or Book A Million, BarnesandNoble.com, and um, it's also on Kindle. And um, like I said, the story is just really uh, it's a fascinating story because because it talks about the rise and the fall of BMF, the the St. Louis faction. And it's you know I know people seen the documentary, people have read the the first book that came out, and I entitled this one "The Untold Story" for a reason because this was actually things that wasn't mentioned in the documentary. It wasn't mentioned in the other book. These were things that um, the dog man shared with me, and, and he, you know, presented a lot of documentation to back it up before I could even write the book. Did you find uh, writing this book, did you ever at any time uh, say, you know, being that this was such a highly um, numbered highly recognized, organized um, operation, did you ever question that you were doing the right thing or you felt, you know what, hey, let me do what I need to do to get a message out to the people? Well, I mean, whenever you, uh, whenever you have a passion to, you know, get a message across, you know, that, that message to me, I mean, it needed to be told to, uh, any, uh, I mean, any nationality, but especially for the young black males, that, you know, that wanted to decide to, you know, get recruited by gangs or go out and, and you know, participate in drug dealing. 
and, and not know the laws that were designed that, you know, can lock you up for 30 years without you getting caught even, you know, with any drugs. You know, that law actually, I go in detail about that law, and I, and I compare it to the RICO Act and uh, show young black men how they can just be the one of the lowest members of a, of a gang and get caught up in a conspiracy but be facing the same amount of time as the top member in the conspiracy. And so, you know, I kind of share a lot of facts about that law, a lot of facts about other laws that's in place. So I felt that it was the right thing to do to get that message out because I didn't, you know, the book was definitely not intended to glorify drug dealing. At the same time, I didn't demonize it also, but I did want to get that message out. Wonderful, wonderful. So now that the book is published, you know, many have read it and constantly buying it. Uh, it has your feedback been positive? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, the uh, even on Amazon, the – the reviews are have been you know phenomenal i mean i i mean i am really impressed with you know the feedback from the communities and from shows like yourself i mean between myself and danny we've been on plenty of uh, radio talk shows and and you know to just really share that story and try to get that message out you know because like i said it it definitely wasn't designed to glorify um you know that lifestyle it it was basically designed to and the book was wrote so that people can actually read it, see how he actually got recruited into the business. Because when he got recruited into the business, he didn't even know what he was doing. He didn't even know that he was involved in the Black Mafia family. He didn't even know that there was drugs involved at first. And then later on, once it happened, once he realized and he, and he finally got a chance to see the product that was being sold, and he really, I mean, and now his immediate gratification, his curiosity, all of that kicked in to where, you know, he, he couldn't walk away from it. And I think that that story can be, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys can relate to that story. You know, being recruited, you know, being involved in something that you really don't know how deep you're getting involved with until it's too late. Totally understandable. Um, so, after the transformation, you know, of the glorification of the life and in the prime of BMS when they were at all-time high, and then when it all fell, the transformation um, that Danny went from there to where he is now, has he stated that the transformation was easy? Did he feel at any given time um, that he would be in jeopardy or anything to that degree? Well, at no time did he, you know, did scrutinize organization. Right. Um, at no time did he, you know, did he, did he mention like, uh, or did he even show any signs of feeling as he, as if he was being uh, in jeopardy for putting out his story. Um, he just felt that his story needed to be told, and and uh, and then and when I told him how I wanted to write the book, that too made a difference with him because. I think when he was in the hospital in a coma and he said when he came out the coma, one of the things that he, that he said that he, he was watching uh, T.D. Jakes, it kind of changed his life because he realized that, I mean, you know, he, he was basically dead and came back. And, and he realized that, you know, that was definitely coming from a higher power. And so, you know, when you go through those kind of transformations, you realize that, you know, maybe things were done 
to you for evil, but now you can transform it for good. And so that's the reason why he was courageous at uh, sharing his story um, when I told him because that's the only – I mean, that's the only way that I would have actually written a, a book of that magnitude is because I wanted to have a message in it. Understandable. Totally understandable. Um, do you see yourself now that you've you've gotten a taste and you know success is is coming in at a high? Are you going to bring us any more in depth books um, on not the Black Mafia family, but just anything else that's um, highly uh, publicized and you know for the Afro American community? Well, I have three published books right now. Uh, one of them is entitled Stand Your Ground, which uh, that manuscript was written. Um, basically, um, it was I was inspired by the Trayvon Martin story, and, and the manuscript was written long, you know, way before the Eric Brown, the Eric Gardner or the Michael Brown incident, and a lot of the mm-hmm. things that that book talks about is going on right now, even though that manuscript was written way before it, and it just tells Black America that. You know, I mean, I'm a really big believer of the universal laws. I mean, I, I, I believe in God's law. I believe that our thought process is what actually controls us, and it, and it, the universe actually brings things to us based on our thoughts. And even though we go through things like the Mike Brown, the Eric Gardner, if we allow our thoughts to become angry and bitter, even with the system, if we allow our thoughts to become anger and bitter, we're attracting nothing into our lives but negativity because those are negative thoughts. So those books are geared at really, you know, giving a message about, you know, the universal laws of compensation and the universal laws of attraction and how it guides us and how we, everything that comes into our life, we attract it into our life, whether good or bad, you know, we attract it into our life through our thoughts. And so that's what that book is mainly about. It's a, it's a really a strong positive message and um and, and it's a it's a really deep story. Okay, all right. And once again, what is the title of the book? That one is Stand Your Ground. Stand Your Ground. Now, I'm always one of those people too, I believe in that, you know, your thought process and you are what you attract. But anytime that you are being positive, staying positive and I'm sure I don't stand alone on this. Many people, male and female, can agree. You're being positive, you're doing positive things, you have positive energy, and here comes the negative. So would you, what would be your feedback on that? Because a lot of people always challenge that. Well, why did this happen to me? You know, I didn't have a negative outlook. I wasn't, you know, doing anything negative. I was being positive and going forward in a positive way. What would you share with them, being that that's something that you studied and believe in, to help them understand more so that unfortunately sometimes just bad things happen, whether we have to learn from them and whatnot. Well, it's it's, it's just like the uh, the law of compensation. Is the universal law of compensation is almost similar to someone that's working on their job for thirty years. If you're working on your job for thirty years, you're working on that job in order to retire. Your retirement is not going to come right away. That retirement is going to come thirty years later. And sometimes the universal law of compensation, you may not be compensated for your positive thoughts right away, but that doesn't mean stop thinking positive. You may have journeys in the road that's going to take you through trials and tribulations to test your faith, but that doesn't mean to to give up on your faith. So, you know, you will be rewarded for 
you know, for positive thought, just like, I mean, you know, you'll be punished for transgression. So, I mean, that doesn't mean that the punishment takes place right away or the reward takes place right away. But according to the universal law of compensation, it will always take place. And, I mean, it, and it's also written in the Bible. I mean, when, when the Bible tells you, you know, those who, those who sow iniquity reap the same. I mean, you know, that's, that's just the universal laws. And, and they don't waver for anybody in any situation. So if you're, you know, whatever you're going through, I mean, I was a single father with two sons, and we were homeless in the streets. And I went from being a single father to a, a millionaire success story on the Carlton Sheets, No Money Down real estate course. I was on his TV show for like 10 years. So I saw that success, and then I saw it all taken away overnight. And at the same time, at no point would I still allow my thoughts to to go into a negative a, a negative downfall because if it, if it did, there's, there's really it's really hard to get out of it. Once you start thinking negative, no matter what the situation, it's hard to get out of it. Wow, now that's an amazing testimony there um, that you just even shared with us. And I'm going to ask you if you have a little bit more time to spend with me um, about that, because um, many people have suffered that as well. And they also, some people don't pull out of that. Like you said, you were with Carlton, the um, Carlton Sheets. I remember that myself because I had bought the, um, I think it was a set of DVDs, wasn't it, if I say it correct? Yeah, it was a set of DVDs. Yeah. Well, back in the day, in the 80s, it was actually cassette tapes, and then it turned into DVDs after that later, later on down the road. But I mean, I mean, and I was a product of, I mean, I was a product of the streets also. I mean, I, I was in the streets for a while, and that's how I was able to relate to the BMF story. And but I never got caught up in the streets because God touched me and blessed me, and, and I changed my life around before my sons got to the age where they can see that, because I didn't want them growing up thinking that that was a lifestyle that they had to live. So, you know, my journey has been, I mean, my autobiography is coming out next summer. It's called Hood Shit on Marble Floors, One Man's Journey from the Streets to Corporate America, the City Hall to Federal Prison. Awesome. Um, So the Carlton, yeah, the Carlton uh, real estate scenario, I noticed you said that when you had got into that, you were in that for quite some time, Jerry, and then you said that you had lost it all. and what can you share with the audience today that's a powerful testimony? Because a lot of people, you know, once you come out of a bad situation, here you are, you're, you're moving forward, you've got yourself together, money is good, you're established, and boom, the rug is pulled from under you, you lose it all. What encouragement would you give to someone? Because unfortunately, when that happens, a lot of times people are not strong enough. They never, ever recover, and some even resort to suicide. What would you say to those people that might be listening today, whether it be one or a thousand, to encourage them to not let that happen, that they can get back up and continue to move forward? Well, I would tell them that it, it's, it, it goes back to the power of the, the positive thought. No matter what you're going through, you know, there's always going to be some irrational thoughts that come into your head. You, you, would, you have to know how to challenge those irrational thoughts and make those thoughts more rational you know, have faith in your creator and and believe because if you were there once and you had the wisdom to get there once, then you definitely would have the wisdom to get there again. As long as a person can't take your mind away from you, then you still have everything. So true. But what I've noticed is lately um, the enemy loves to come and steal that joy from people because what people do now is they say, okay, 
well, if that's the scenario, then why would God let that happen? Why would he let me? The testimony is supposed to be that we come from, we get it, we establish ourselves and we move forward. Why would God allow us to lose it again? I myself am asked that often, and I often have to be an encouragement to people to let them know that none of us are spared. You know, if he sent his son Jesus through it, then we, we have to go through it as well. But i like to hear your take on it. What would you share with someone if they were to ask you that question? Well, there was a story in the Bible. I, can't, I mean, I, I, I can't remember the actual story, but there was a very wealthy man, and, and God allowed the devil to take him through, t- through trials and tribulations to test his faith. And 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 even during those trials and tribulations, you may you know know the story that I'm talking this book that I'm talking about in the Bible. Even his wife was was telling him that you know that he was crazy for still having faith after he had lost everything. And once his faith was tested, God blessed him tenfold. I mean, a person never knows why they go through the journeys that they go through. To me, they're just other stepping stones because maybe there's an there's a, there's something else that maybe I should have been doing and, and not in real estate. Maybe my purpose was something else. And when I lost it all, that's when I started writing. And and, and and basically, I would have never had the chance to write if I was still in real estate because I was too busy. I was in real estate. I was in politics. And I was too busy to ever have time to do anything. And And when I sat down long enough to where after I lost everything but my mind, I sat down long enough to start writing, and so that was just another journey. Wonderful. And, yes, I do know the book. It's the book of Job. Job lost it all. Yeah. And his wife said, why would you not curse God and, you know, walk away? But Job, Job uh, denied that he's been for God to the very end. And God, like you said, blessed him, and he even lived longer um, life for that and gave him back a hundredfold, everything that he lost. And, and and this is and, and, and this is what even during the times that we go through, I mean if if we learn how to just challenge those those thoughts because what happens is the minute that we go through something and you hear people say it all the time, you know, like sometimes you hear people say, you know, why do I always attract the same kind of man or why do I always attract the same kind of woman? It's this, those are your thoughts. Sometimes what you fear you attract. You know, a person that fears poverty attracts poverty. You know, a person that Fears homelessness attracts homelessness. So sometimes we attract those things through our thoughts, through our fears, because we let those thoughts just overtake us. The same way where if a person is wealthy, I mean, wealthy people knew that they were going to be wealthy well before they became wealthy because the thought process wouldn't let them fail. And through my testimony in life, period, to to make millions of dollars and get it all taken away, I mean, I was – I was convicted on tax evasion, which it, it was definitely not the, not the fact. It was the fact that I had gotten pretty large in politics in my community, and, and, I, and I created a lot of antagonists. But all I was trying to do was help my own community. And even though it was all taken away overnight, I still did not let those thoughts destroy me. When I went into prison, I went into prison knew, knowing that, I was going to write books when I went in. I knew it. When I, I mean, I said, that's what I'm going to do to occupy my time. I had never wrote before. I mean, I, I just got a high school diploma. I mean, I, now I'm in college now to get a degree in screenplay and movie writing. But, I mean, I had never seeked higher education. I was out of school for 30 years before I seek higher education. So 
you know, it, it all goes back to those thoughts. If you allow those thoughts, that first thought to question why is it happening to me, that's when it, that's when it all starts. Because from there, you can't wonder why. You have to just know that even though it's happening to me, even though it's raining, even though it's pouring, the sun always come out after a storm, and sometimes you even see a rainbow. And that's just how I live live my life. Now, that is powerful, very, very powerful. And, you know, myself sometimes, you shed an insight uh, to me, I think we have issues a lot of times where fear, which I have learned in my growth, in my walk, in maturing in my life, fear is false evidence appearing real. I never forget the first time I heard Paula White say that, and that is so true, because a lot of times when we mm-hmm. go through those storms, we begin to question, you know, why or, you know, wait a minute, you know, I don't want to go through this. And like you said, which is very good, especially for women, I think, in talking with other women myself, um, in relationships, we fear that. We fear, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't want to, you know, connect with someone and, you know, we, we'd be in poverty for the rest of our lives. Maybe I fault and I'm good. And if he's not good, it's going to be an issue. And you actually gave me some insight by doing that is a lot of times maybe why, if not myself, the other women have attracted that negative type of guy. Mm-hmm. And not even realize because, because why. Because if you... Because if if you dwell on something too long, according to the universal law of attraction, the universe makes ways for those things to come. I remember reading Kimora Lee Simmons' uh, autobiography, and um, she said that before she even, you know, even made money, you know, when she first started, uh, was it Baby Fat? Mm -hmm. She said that she... She said that she wrote herself a check for $1 million and had absolutely no way to cash it. And and by knowing that she wrote herself that check, she said she would look at that check every day in her purse. And, and then eventually what happened is the universe made ways for her to cash that check. I did that when I ordered the Carlton Sheets course. I didn't know anything about real estate. I was managing a Burger King. And I, first of all, I prayed for understanding. I didn't pray for money. I didn't pray for property. I didn't pray for – I prayed for me to understand that course because I knew a lot of people that ordered that course and it just stayed up under their bed and collected dust. And God gave me that understanding I, that I prayed for because I knew it was going to happen. Within two years, I, I owned over 54 properties within two years and put well over $2.4 million in my bank account. Wow. And, and it was all because I knew that it was going to happen when I ordered that course. It wasn't a doubt. It wasn't, I mean, because if I would have doubted that it was going to work, if I would have ordered the course knowing that, well, maybe maybe it worked, maybe it don't work, then the universe would have made way for just what I was thinking. Maybe it would have worked for me, and maybe it wouldn't have. Now, see, Jerry, that's another. <laughs> Are you sure that, you know, God hasn't given you some insight here to a little bit more in-depthness, uh, maybe something else that you're supposed to be adding to your list of things that you've been called here to do? Because you are really tapping into some strong uh, confirmations. Um, I was one of those people. I bought the uh, Carlton and put it under my bed. <laughs> I sure did. I never. <laughs> That's why when you said that, I'm looking around like, wait a minute, hold it. Nobody knew that. Nobody knew that. <laughs> and I know you were just not saying that to me. You were saying it to myself and my audience. But I am guilty. I bought it. I listened because there were so many of them. 
after the first two, I kind of put my head, you know, my hand on my head. I said, oh, no, this ain't going to work. No. And you know what? I had the passion. really loved real estate. But I wasn't as strong and knowledgeable as I am. I had not grown into the faith more so with God. And I didn't know any better. And I didn't have strong mentors at the time to encourage me and pour into me what I needed. I'm not mad about it. Maybe that's not the course God wanted me to take. But I exactly. found, like you like you said, if you have a passion, I had a like for it, but not too much of a passion. There's a difference. But if you do have mm-hmm. a passion for something, you have to believe, no matter what it looks like. Like you shared, I read Kamora Lee's book too, and I laughed about that. I read her book in a day. <laughs> I bought that book. I bought that book. And I zoomed I in on days. that million dollar check. Yeah, I zoomed in on that million dollar check. And the reason why, because I said, wow, this woman has some serious faith. I said, because she walked around with that check, but I don't care if it crumbles, if it gets wet or whatever. This is my check, and I'm going to cash this check one day. And look at what she's done. She's cashed a $100 million check and still cashing them. And, that's and, a and if you thing. really listen, look at all of the success stories, you know, from Oprah, Tyler Perry, Steve, you look at all of the success stories, all of them say the same thing. Every one of them had the faith and the positive thought that they knew that it was going to happen for them. They didn't give up no matter what other people said because, you know, sometimes even when I ordered that course, you know, I had so many people telling me, you know, you wasted your money. You know, you, you got these two boys and you managing Burger King. You can't even really afford daycare. Why are you wasting your money on this course? You know, you'll never end up buying real estate. And if I would have listened to that, those negative people, I would have never went through the journey that I went through in life if I wouldn't have listened to them, but I refuse to listen to them. And sometimes you have to shut out those voices the same way you have to shut out those negative voices that's within yourself. You do. You really do. Now, I find it just exceptionally awesome. Um, you still now in this era of your life, having gone through something as detrimental, because no matter what you go in for, like you said, whether it's tax evasion, drug, conspiracy, whatever the crime may be, we all know that jail is no heaven's place. Nobody wants to walk into and say, wow, this is my new house. What did you mm-hmm. find during the time that you were there was your most inspirational thing that you said to yourself that kept you afloat? Well, the... I think the probably the toughest thing that I had to deal with was, you know, when they when when the United States they say reform, you know, and I listen to that word a lot, you know, reform. Reform is mental, is is challenging your irrational thoughts. But when you lock guys away, and especially young African American guys, you lock them away in long periods of time in a hostile environment, how is the reason why the recidivism rate is so high? Because, you know, it plays on guys' thoughts. And and when it plays on those thoughts, then, you know, you end up going right back. That was probably one of the most challenging things that I had to deal with was to be able to block out all of the chaos, all of the negativity that was around all, you know, at every minute of the day, all day. There was so much negativity, and to be able to block that out and just listen to the message that God wanted me to write. And I spent over – I actually calculated the hours that I spent writing when I was locked up. I spent over 22,000 hours. It was actually 22,300 and something hours writing 
the books that that I'm publishing now. Wow. Now that is powerful. Because like you said, I'm sure day to day, like you said, it turns into, can turn into a very hostile environment because these men are in camps, in an atmosphere, they have no outlet, nowhere to go. Unfortunately, a lot of them don't have any visitors, any letters, any phone calls, and they're just there. And and, 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 it's, like and it's, it's very sad to see it, and especially when you know that a lot of them don't de- – you know, I mean, people make mistakes. Even when you look at the situation with the black mafia family in the book, I in the book I describe the plight of a lot of guys that go through that that situation in life. And I mean, I was there, so I I mean, I I know it. I mean, I was there in that lifestyle at one point b- before I even got off into real estate. I was in into that, and and I walked away from it and got broke again because that fast money went. I mean it came fast and went fast. I went from homelessness to the streets and then from the streets almost back to homelessness. And then God blessed me when I decided to be humble and do it the right way. And I look at a lot of these guys that's doing like what in the, in the book, I, t- I talk about it. The black mafia family to me in that book. And when I, when I was doing the interview, Henry was doing just like what a lot of guys in corporate America do. They were just trying to feed their family, live a good lifestyle, get out of the neighborhood that that they were stuck in. And a lot of people can relate to that story. And even though they, even though they did it with, you know, and, and maybe, you know, was you know, illegal things going on, but to lock somebody up for 30 years, and a lot of these guys are getting locked up for 30 years, and these are nonviolent crimes. A lot of drug dealers that's locked up in prison for 30 years are nonviolent crimes. And you got guys that commit murders and get out quicker than a guy that gets locked up in a conspiracy charge. And so, you know, I find something wrong with that whole system because it seems like it's designed to just target our neighborhoods and our areas. And there's a lot of laws out there, even the Stand Your Ground law, a lot of the cities in that in that book, I talked about all of the cities that have, all of the states that have the stand-your-ground law. It's really called the Castle Doctrine, and a lot of states have that, and people don't know. It was designed to protect you in your castle. If somebody break into your house, you have the right to protect yourself, but then some states took that and decided to say, add to it and say, it's designed now to you can protect yourself in any place that you have a right to be. Now, at the same time, what this law is going on, you got more than 53% of African-American males just coming out of prison that got felonies that, that now they can't carry guns. So what happens? You know, the white man can carry the gun, and now he also got the right to use it. And the law protects him. And, we, and we're seeing so, that over and over. So true. So true. Um, and I'm glad you went there because I, pardon me, want to shed some light on that. I 100% agree with you. What the Black Mafia stood for, the representation of it, the lifestyle, uh, the connection of it, they didn't do anything outside of the John Gotti's and uh, that type of lifestyle. But unfortunately, because they were Afro American, they took a route to get out of poverty live a good life, be able to take care of their family and children. But unfortunately, due to the color of their skin, like you shared, now here they're sitting in jail for 30 years. Others that 
have Caucasian skin, Asian skin, Puerto Rican skin, Mexican skin, um, maybe maybe go to jail for a year to five, at most ten, and they're out. So racism well, is such a key component um, when we come forward with lifestyles, and a lot of well, our Afro-American men are suffering for that reason. And I'll tell you what else that I did with the book. See, that St. Louis part of the black mafia family, I actually, in the book, I compared it to prohibition back in the day because prohibition was going through St. Louis. And, uh, you know, we all know the the royal family, the Kennedys, were, you know, mm-hmm. they, that's how they built their wealth on on prohibition. So I compared mm-hmm. Meech and Terry basically to the Kennedys and showed how they got rewarded with the White House and those brothers got rewarded with the big house. Very true. Once again, going back so, to the color of skin. So, so, so we kind of relate real good. I know this interview went like in a lot of different directions, but I mean, I did want to. I was kind of uh, called at the last minute to, you know, fill in and do the interview. But I am happy that I was available to do this interview because, you know, hopefully some of the listeners. Maybe something that I said, it touched them. Maybe they'll start do some research on the universal laws of attraction, on the universal laws of compensation. This is God's law. Maybe they'll do some research on that, and then they'll do some soul searching and find out that probably every time that they were going through things in their life, if they can reflect back on the thoughts that was going through their heads when they were going through those things, that's probably why they didn't get out of them. So true. Jerry, once again, um, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, even though it was last minute, um, and coming on and sharing with us being the writer of the Black Mafia family, the St. Louis story. And not only did you come on and share with us, you actually poured it to us. So it kind of reverts back to what we've been talking about. A lot of times things happen for a reason. Um, very grateful to have had you on the show Um I'm excited, actually, for the next book that's going to come out. Uh, we'll, we'll invite you on to talk to me about it. Um, I'm well, and, it, and, it was, and it was my pleasure. <laughs> and it's definitely my you, pleasure. And, you know, and I would, you know, be more than happy to come on again. And, and like I said, it's shows like yours that, you know, I respect those shows. I applaud you because it's not hard to be on the radio to put out the messages that you put out throughout our communities to try to keep us focused, and you know, because the media, just like Malcolm said, the media is the most powerful entity. I mean, it controls the minds of the masses, and if we look at the national media, it's always negative, So it, and that's what it feeds into our system, and shows like yours, these inspirational blog sites, I mean, I applaud these sites, and I applaud you. I mean, I know that it's tireless work, and I will be more than happy to come on again. Well, thank you so much, and I'd love to have you. Now, I'm going to go to a break, audience. I'm not gone. I want to uh, talk with Jerry a little bit more before he hangs up off the air. And um, we'll be back in a moment. Once again, for those of you who may just be tuning in, you are listening to Evangelist Yolanda McTeer's radio segment titled Empowerment for All. We've been talking with the writer of the Black Mafia family, the St. Louis story told by Jerry Heyman. He's been live with us. And for those of you who missed his awesome uh, pouring and in input and deposit that he gave us today on the air. Fear not. All of my shows, once they go off the air, are available on my website, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, 
and many other podcasts. I'm going to go at this break. I will be playing Mary J. Blige, If You Look Into My Life, and I'll be back in a moment. Jerry, don't hang up. I want to ask you a few questions before you go. Okay. All right. Thank you. 
All right. Welcome back. This is Evangelist Yolanda McTeer. For those of you who have been tuning in this evening, you missed a great segment. I apologize. My original guest, uh, Danny, anonymously known as Dogman, a former member of the Black Mafia family, had an unexpected emergency and was not able to do the interview. But he will join me at a later date. But the show was not lost because God made the way and had the author who Danny sat down with and made the book possible for us to have the Black Mafia family, the St. Louis story, Mr. Jerry Heyman, who not only is a profound man, but a believer in God, a passionate man. Not only does he have this book written, he has other books and he's currently writing a book. He gave to us some great in-depthness, some positiveness, some inspiration, and also his personal testimony of going from raising his two sons as a single father, being homeless, gaining wealth, losing it, going to jail, coming out, writing this book, The Black Mafia Family, just an awesome, awesome guy, and I thank God for him coming by. And also he poured into me some insights of things that I know and needed to know. Now, I never, ever, ever let my show air without always giving special shout-out to special people that I've come in contact with. So I'm going to go into this segment here at Empowerment for All where I'm going to give a shout-out. First and foremost, I'd like to give a shout-out to one of my awesome, awesome, great supporters uh, of the many 18,000 followers that I have on Twitter. Dreams at 711. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maya's Movement. She is a anonymous Maya supporter. She goes above and beyond to make sure that everyone is in touch and kept abreast on what Maya is doing, her new album. Uh, which I thank her for allowing me to give me information to listen to it. I really took a liking to the new album. It is great. A lot of great songs on there, and I wish Maya all the success. So once again, shout out to At Dreams 711, Maya's Movement. Thank you. And she was gracious enough and took time out of her busy schedule to join my many listeners here at Empowerment for All. She's been chimed in live via the web. Thank you, darling. Hugs to you. We will chat and converse on Twitter soon. Moving forward on the shout-out, Lisa at Delta Sky Miles, reservationist. Fabulous. You are truly an asset to Delta's reservation team. They should never, ever want to lose you. If anything, they need to promote you. Awesome woman, very professional, very, very kind, and knows how to treat the customers. Shout-out to you. Shout-out to one of my favorite restaurants, Capitol Grill in Florida. The crew, the lovely bartender, Ms. Candice, Naomi, my phenomenal server, Ben, the wonderful manager. You all are what I call that makes a restaurant a complete component. All three of you all, Naomi from my server at the table, Candice even yelling over <laughs> from the bar tender, making sure that everything that she gave me from my tea to my soda 
was good. And that, to me, says everything. Not only do you all show that you care, you represent the essence and atmosphere of what Capitol Grill represents, which is class, wonderful people. And I look forward to dining again at Capitol Grill in the, in the area of Florida that I was at. Oh, special shout-out tonight. These are my guys. Shout out to Burger King, number 4133, Dunwoody Village in Georgia. Mike Wright, the manager. Jesse Taylor, the other manager. And Clark Kent, the customer service employee there. Audience, these three men right here, I can tell you, is what... I call old school caring and being there for someone when they are in distress. Thank you guys once again so much. Evangelist Yolander really, really, really did not expect such a warm welcome, hospitality, and kindness that you showed. I know many of my listeners are saying, well, dog, you just went to Burger King. Hold up. It wasn't that I went to Burger King. I didn't even go to Burger King to order food. My car had stalled on me. It was in one of the cold nights in Georgia. After, right after it had snowed, it was still cold. And I had walked across the street from my place of business that I was, and they were the only ones still open because many of you know roadside service, hello, takes forever. Calling a tow truck is like really okay. Packing up and moving because you're going to be waiting all day. So I walked across the street to the Burger King, and they actually were closed. They were getting ready to close um, in about 30 minutes. And Jesse Taylor, the manager, came to the door. He saw me. And he said, wait a minute, ma'am. He said, do you need something? You okay? And I said, no. I said, um, my car has stalled and I'm waiting on the tow truck, but your doors are locked and you're closed. I said, I guess I'll walk somewhere else and find somewhere to stay. He said, nonsense. No, no, no. You come right on in here where you can be nice and warm. We've got a lot of stuff to do. We still are open for about another 30 minutes, but we're doing inventory, and you're more than welcome to stay. And then instantaneously, Mike came out, the other manager, they made sure I was okay. I needed coffee, told me to stay as long as I needed to. And even when the tow truck came and I had to run back across the street to meet the tow truck, Jesse took the extra nine yards and came outside and watched me walk across the street in the dark to make sure I was okay. Hugs, hugs, hugs to the Burger King team once again, number 4133 in Dunwoody Village, Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much. Shout out to Brandon, my actual tow company driver. Phenomenal young man. A young man with passion, really knows how to treat people, really a great guy. He should have once we got my vehicle to its destination where I had it towed to the body shop. He was supposed to leave me there, and I was supposed to get my own transportation, but it was very late. It was early in the morning. By that time, it was about 12, 31 o'clock, and I asked him, I said, I really don't want to stay here and wait for a cab. Can you be so kind to take me to my destination? And he went above and beyond and said, ma'am, I would never leave you here in the dark like this. Yes, I'll be more than happy to, and he did. Thank you so much for that, Brandon. Also, Shout out to Will, the first roadside service guy that came out. It's kind of weird now, ladies and gentlemen, how they do roadside service. They sent out someone just to test your battery and, and things like that. So sometimes you get two. I got two. 
Will was the first one that came out to test my battery. It wasn't my battery, which I had told the customer service rep. I had a brand-new battery in my car. But nevertheless, Will came out super, super, super guy. I mean, he went above and beyond. He jacked my car up. He said, it might be your starter. You know, I have a German car, so the configuration and the components of my car are just all over the place. But he jacked my car up and actually tried to tap on my starter, but he couldn't get to it. Now, you know. That's what I call going above and beyond the call of duty. God bless you, Will, and continue your great customer service and love for people that you have. Shout out to Diplomat Limo Company in Detroit, Michigan. Shout out to Robert, the owner. Shout out to Bob, my driver. Phenomenal, phenomenal company. Anytime that you all uh, visit Detroit, give them a call. Great limo company very professional, on time, go above and beyond if you need to possibly maybe run to the store or whatever you need to do, they're there for you. Um, They picked me up when I was coming back from Canada, stopped through Michigan for a little bit. It's a great, great company. Once again, shout out to Diplomat Limo Detroit, Robert the owner, Bob my driver. God bless you all. Shout out to the whole employee staff at Beans and Cornbread Soul Food in Southfield, Michigan. Now that, Steve Harvey, I'm going to tell you, I touch and agree with you. That soul food was the bomb. I had the fried catfish, candy yams, macaroni and cheese, and cornbread. And can I tell you, I'm so glad they're not everywhere I go because I'd have to stop in every time in every state that I visit. And shout out to the exceptional customer service lady that I had at my hotel by the name of Lisa. You are once again an asset to the company. If anything, they need to promote you. You really know how to handle customers and treat people in a professional manner. Thank you. So that is my list tonight. You see it was rather long for all my shout outs. But once again, I love doing that because just as people love pouring into me and doing nice things for me, it is my love that I give back to show them that not only am I appreciative, I am happy that genuine good people still exist in the world today. Thank you all so much for continuously supporting Empowerment for All. I haven't aired since January, just as author Jerry Heyman was sharing today about his personal storms and trials. I've been going through some things, but keeping my faith and trusting God, I'm still here and I'm going to be here. And I'm not ever going to waver or let my faith be shaken, stirred, or tried. I took the exit ramp and told the devil no more. I'm on the road to success and going to continue to press forward to my higher calling and trust God. Do what you need to do in this lifetime. Stop being intimidated and pressured by what you see in the media, by what you see in celebrities. Everything that shines is in gold. They're human too. They go through to get to. Continue to focus on you. Press forward. Keep the faith. Don't be wavered. If bad things happen, it's okay because good things are around the corner. For those of you who are saying to yourself tonight, I don't know how, where, or when things are going to get better, but I'm tired. I want to throw in the towel. Don't do that. Keep the faith. Tomorrow is a new day. And if God brought you from previous storms, he's going to bring you out of your current storm. 
He never, ever leaves us or forsakes us, and he is a faithful God. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't, doesn't matter what it gets down to. What it comes to is that God is on the throne. I myself have ran for many years from what he called me to do. But I can tell you one thing. You can run all you want to, but when he's placed it in you and you're called, he will stop you and make you take the right road that you're supposed to take. And, God, I say thank you for that because not only did I know you spared me, you kept me. And I want every day of my life for you to always have your hands on and in my life because without you, Lord, there is no me. And greater is he, my God, your God as well, that is in us than he that's in the world. Remember, always, always, block out negativity, release negative people, don't listen to negative gossip. Don't entertain waste of time men, ladies. Gentlemen, don't entertain waste of time women. Believe in yourself. Know your worth. Know what you are to have. Know who you're to be with. And just like Jerry Heyman shared with us, stop putting those thoughts in your mind that you don't want this and you don't want that because the law of attraction truly is bringing that to you. Start saying to yourself and believing in yourself. Everybody may not marry a ball player. Everybody might not marry an actor or an actress. But we need to unite with someone who is unified to be with us because we are all unique. And every man, woman that you meet and every woman, men that you meet is not meant to be your mate. Some people come into our lives to help us. Some people come in our lives to teach us. Some people come in our lives to show us. And once we go through those relationships, come out better and not bitter. It is so key. I'm a testimony to that. Shout out once again, I forgot, Tony Gaskin, a great inspirational relationship guru. Thank you, Tony, for following me back on Twitter. I'm very excited. I want to collaborate with you about some things. You've got a blog out right now sharing about Usher's song, how he's glorifying strippers, and you said some great and empowering things in that blog which touched home for me because I was a victim. I was a victim of a relationship that was very unhealthy, and I thought at that time of my season, and many of you who may be new to Empowering Thrall, I have a testimony as well. My book that is available on Amazon Barnes and Nobles and many other outlets titled The Tragic Times of a Woman is an autobiography of my life where I walk you from the seasons in my life and the stages of growth of when I used to be a stripper and went through that life and coming out to where I am now. And I always tell people, yes, I went to dancing from the stages to dancing to the pages of the Bible. It doesn't matter where I've been. It's where God is taking me. And because I went through that, he made me a testimony. My mess became my message. Once again, my mess became my message. Follow me on Twitter at YMcTeer, capital Y, capital M, lowercase C, capital T, I, E, R. Facebook, 
Evangelist Yolanda McTeer. Instagram, Evangelist Y McTeer. But I will tell you all, Twitter is my love. I'm a Twitter guru. 18,000-plus fans, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm not big on Facebook. I'm not big on Instagram, but those are the top social media places I've been told I need to be, so I'm on those as well. Um, visit my website, empowerment, the number 4 allcom Once again, empowerment the number four, all.com. It's heavy on me tonight before I get off the air that I hear God saying to me to tell you all that this is the season of testing you before I can trust you. My goodness. God is saying this is the season of me testing you before I know fully that I can trust you. So many of you may be going through something right now. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's not about you. It's about God seeing if he can trust you. Because he's got to trust you before he gives it to you. Well, you might say, well, Yolanda, what are you talking about? The enemy knows you are headed for greatness. God knows he's going to give it to you because God is dominion over the earth. There is no power greater than God's power. But many a times, God will say, let me see if my child is worthy of the harvest that I'm going to give them. Nothing is free. Nothing. God doesn't ask us for monetary deposits, but he does ask us for sacrificial dedication and consecration to him. So if we don't acknowledge him, we don't love him, we don't praise him, and we don't trust him, then we don't get from him what is due to us from him, which is his blessings. So many of us, we have not received blessings because we have been too concentrated on other things outside of him. He said, I am a jealous God. Nothing and no one will come before me. So many of you tonight, or those of you who will listen to my show later on, need to make a choice. Stop entertaining gossip with your trading on your harvest and consecration and relationship with God. Because one thing about it, your friends don't know what God has for you, but God knows what he wants to give you. In order for you to get it, you've got to get in the right place with him to receive it. Can I tell you that I know without a shadow of a doubt, if you're being tested, it's because you have something great in store for you. But somebody tells you, well, I never go through, I'm okay, it's all good. I probably wouldn't want to talk to that person because that means something's wrong. Because any time that you're going to trust God, you're going to be tested. Every day is not going to be a happy day. But he promised you he would never leave you or forsake you. And he is a man that will never see in the flesh but a spirit that will not lie. That's why he titled himself in the Bible, I am that I am. God, you are who you are. And I glorify you and magnify you on today and every day of my life. It has been such a joy airing tonight. And as I'm winding down here in Empowerment for All, I want to say to you all, I started off my show tonight with one of the songs that I knew when I was in my club days in the prime area of the Black Mafia family that one of the head CEOs of the Black Mafia family Big Meech, 
whose real name is Demetrius Flannery, loved to play in the club that I work in, which was Young Blood featuring Little John. We don't give a damn. Um, his brother, who was the other CEO, head of Black Mafia family, Terry Flannery, anonymously known as T, also had the pleasure of knowing him as well. Honestly and truthfully, everyone, they made a statement. They made a statement that we as Afro-Americans, we can live lavishly, we can ride good, look good, and smell good. But unfortunately, it came at a heavy price. It saddened me to see them go away for 30 years, but the legacy and impartation of being a baller, now those men right there are what I call real ballers. And they didn't just circumference the wealth amongst themselves. They spread it out. That's why this organization grew to be so huge the way it was. They were one of the most notorious, highly recognized, sought after by men to be a member of, women wanting to be their girlfriends, only Afro-American organization where the head, Big Meech, had a billboard in downtown Atlanta on the major prime connection highway that everybody saw in Atlanta that he had a picture with the mayor of Miami at the time titled, The world belongs to BMS. BMS backed and produced major rappers, who I'm not going to call names, still big in this industry right now. We listen to their music on a daily basis. Those rappers got started and got funded through BMS, so they were able to rise to where they are now from the BMS money. BMS was known for throwing money out of helicopters, notorious rise in G5 aircraft, giving lavish parties, uh, which contain exotic animals flown in from across the world, tigers, giraffes, all kind of things. Shopping unlimited to the extent that the salesmen and sales ladies were dizzy because they were spending so much money. There will never, ever be a legacy of, as we call, street gangster ballers in this era. Many have tried to duplicate and replicate, but they cannot infiltrate the black mafia family. And I'm not telling you this because I'm glorifying the lifestyle of how they made their money. I'm telling you because I lived in the era where I saw how they partied seven days a week, spent over half a million dollars, would come in a club, in a strip club, and the girls would make $30,000 off the three songs. That's the life that they lived. But they never bothered anybody but because people were so hateful and resentful and trying to figure out how they did what they did, they would always try and mess with these guys. So, you know, when you're dealing with a high-connected organization, you're not going to talk trash because when you talk trash out of order, it's going to cost you a nice whooping. And trust me, those who thought they were bad walked away many a day is real sad because you just didn't do that. But once again, Big Meech and T, 30 years, my prayers are with you. You all, once again, left a serious mark out here on the streets of Atlanta. Sorry, guys. Many of you, once again, tried to implicate, but sorry, you just duplication. They were the real gangster ballers of what it meant to be a baller and live a lavish John Gotti lifestyle. They did it. They made it happen. They did the Denzel Washington American gangster 
but they did it with a group of guys, and they really knew how to treat women. Many of you are saying, well, how does she know so much about it? I dated one of the BMS members, great guy, great guy. Really, all of them and their women can share the testimonies as well. They really treated women with respect, were there for you, didn't expect you to pay their bills, didn't expect you to do for them. They were men and helped you. And that's the era that I was raised in. That's the era that I'm going to stay in. If you want to be connected with me, you need to assist me. What that means is help ice me up, whip me up, and help me stack my shit stuff because I'm not going to be able to take care of you and work three jobs while you sit at home and beat on me, cheat on me, eat my food, dog me, drive my car, use me, and then laugh at me, mistreat me, go cheat on me, and then leave me. I don't think so. I'm not that chick. And many women, for those of you who are doing those things, you need to take a stand and tell the no good man, adios, amigos. Because women, in God's eyes, were made to be virtuous. And we are to be for comfort in the essence to be nurtured and taken care of. Why men are the barrier of food and labor. It doesn't mean women don't have to work, but we're not supposed to be grinding, working two and three jobs to take care of a man. On that note, before I get carried off into another segment, and that's another show, I want to once again thank everybody for tuning in here in Empowerment for All. Follow me on Twitter is the best way to stay in touch with me to see who my upcoming guests are. Also, Facebook, I do a lot of publications there, notifications. Um, I've just received a message that um, Danny wants to reschedule, so that's a great thing. So look out for those notifications. Danny, anonymously known as Dogman, um, the former member of Black Mafia family, will be stopping by. But as you tune in and you can hear Jerry, the author of the book, share his testimony and his connection with Danny, who Danny actually gave his trust and information to to write the book. On that note, we are going to not say goodbye, but we're going to say goodnight. And until the next time here at Empowering for All, be encouraged, be blessed, Keep the faith and know that God is able and will make a way out of no way. Much love and blessings to you all. Good night. Be blessed. Spirit of Marilyn calling me audibly, boiling she said that she would never leave, continue to torture me, telling me to come with her, underneath my comforter, and she brought a gun with her, pills and some rum with her, took me on the balcony, telling me to jump with her, yeah I'm in the ghost but I ain't doing stunts with her, I ain't trying to be that, haters wanna see that, but I got him aggy, cause I win the gold like Gabby. She's just a girl and she's on fire.
If you hear God, make the body disappear when they fear God. Take away my fear when they in the fear God. Do you fear God? Cause I fear God. And in my backyard, that's a dear God. And that's a horse ranch. And to my core fans, keep repping me. Do it to the death of me. X in the box, cause ain't nobody checking me.